view of myself as a constant work in progress and a constant sort of, you know, uh, uh, construction and creation has enabled me to view my successes uh, and my shortcomings and my mistakes, which we all make as men, as and we continue to make, you know, as men where our masculinity is concerned. I don't view them as, as personally reflective of me because I know that I'm constantly under creation and, and under construction and I have the autonomy to shape and redefine and recalibrate uh, who I am. Hello and welcome to episode five of Modern Men. Now in this episode, I am absolutely delighted to be joined by activist, academic and social psychologist, Lewis Wedlock. It's an episode that I've been looking forward to recording for some time, so I really do hope you enjoy it. On the episode, we discuss his route into talking about mental health and masculinity, his TEDx talk, The Crisis of Masculinity, and we also cover how he became one of the youngest lecturers in the whole of the UK. Impressive stuff. Plus, we discuss Lewis's podcast, Mendable, which is brilliant. I highly recommend you tune into that. And Lewis also shares his top tip and his favourite resources for helping his own mental health for you guys. Now, before we get going into the episode, it would be incredible if you could support Modern Men by following and rating on your favourite podcast platform. As well as that, don't forget to drop me a follow on Instagram and TikTok. My username is Modern Men Podcast on both of those platforms. I am also George underscore BWH on Twitter, but I don't tend to use Twitter too often, so the best places to find me are probably Instagram and TikTok. So without further ado, I'll shut up with my rambling, and here is my conversation with Lewis Wedlock. Enjoy. So, Lewis, thanks for coming on to Modern Men. First and foremost, how are you doing today? Hey, George. Yeah, man, I'm good. I'm good. I'm really good. Uh, excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Um, yeah, it's been like it's been a busy week uh, at the time of recording, and you know it is always busy in this work. But I'm grateful. Um, I'm excited by the work, and it's like I said, a pleasure to be here. So, yeah, thank you for having me, man. How are you? Yeah, no, perfect. It's my pleasure. Uh, yeah, much, much the same, really. Just, just a kind of normal working week, mm-hmm. trying to fit everything in, trying to fit in, you know, seeing seeing people, seeing my partner, exercise, trying to fit mm-hmm. in doing the podcast, trying to fit it all around a, a full-time job. It's quite, it's yeah. it's tough, but it's just kind of life, really, I guess, isn't it? It's mm-hmm. kind of kind of just how things are. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, doing well in a good place and just trying to kind of push on forward with the podcast and keep speaking to more incredible guests like yourself. So... Doing well, yeah, it's a good journey. Um, so the first kind of question that I always start with on this podcast is, um, if you could be having this conversation with me anywhere in the world, where would it be and why? Good first question. Um, I'm going to take it down a little bit of a sort of, I don't know, maybe philosophical, I don't know, route. I'd probably have it 10 years into the future, somewhere, you know, like this right now, like just literally where I am right now in sort of my office space, uh, same sort of context, but 10 years into the future and just seeing 
what kind of perspectives and ideas that we both have uh, through our journeys. I've got a kind of obsession at the moment with future versions of self, not in in this sort of capacity that, you know, I want to be this future version of, of myself because I'm more than happy with me right now, but just seeing where the paths that I'm walking and embarking on and where your paths kind of, you know, where they go and, and how they kind of present themselves, I think that's where I'd probably... Uh, situate myself right now it'd be very interesting to see what that kind of uh, conversation and uh, you know interpretation of, of all of this discussion will be like 10 years in the future so that's where it'd be for me yeah that's really interesting we've not had an answer like that yet it's been more like Spain or Jamaica or kind of like but but that to be honest yeah it's one of those where it's it's a question that's fully up to interpretation it doesn't mm. have to be just because I'm saying where would it be it mm. doesn't have to be anywhere kind of exotic or anywhere like interesting or anywhere mm. totally different to where you are now. But but yeah, ten years ten years into the future, you are right. It's going to be like such an interesting sort of place, and it's going to be. It, it is very interesting to figure out kind of like how far things would have progressed within this sort of space by that point, because mm. you look back at the past ten years and how much things have progressed since then, like mm-hmm. and at such a fast pace as well. And even yeah. like literally month on month, year on year now, there are progressions being made and that society is moving forward. Sometimes it seems like it's quick. Sometimes it seems like it's really, really slow. But, mm. you know, things are going things are going in a positive direction. So, yeah, that would be fascinating. I'd love to kind of I'd love to join you in 10 years time and kind of <laughs> see what's going on. So it's yeah, really man. cool. Interesting. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess the next question is. What was it that kind of first got you talking about mental health? Was it your first experiences with it? Was it kind of this, because for some of the guests I've had already, they kind of didn't really consider mental health as a thing until like Mm -hmm. a major event happened in their life. And then it kind of opened Mm -hmm. their eyes and they were like, wow, this is how depression feels or anxiety Mm -hmm. feels, or this is how whatever, whatever experience feels, um, Mm what was it that kind of got you into this space where you were talking about whether it be mental health, male mental health, masculinity? What, mm. Where did that kind of interest come from? Again, it's a good question. I mean, I feel like whenever this is asked, there's always a slightly different sort of answer depending on sort of my reflective space um, and, mm. and kind of where I am in terms of my own sort of self-reflection and, and introspection. But I think, you know, for me, I was always uh, an anxious kid. Um, I had quite like bad anxiety in the sense of I'd, I'd mask it quite well, um, but I was you know very anxious uh, about a, a lot of a lot of things. Uh, you know, I was quite I had quite bad separation anxiety when I was a when I was a very young kid, uh, and I have had sort of experiences with anxiety uh, in numerous different forms, you know, across my lifespan. Um, but as I said, I masked it, you know, quite well. And I think I'd always had an awareness of, of well, this doesn't feel quite right. Um, but there was a, you know, in many ways, a normalization, of, you know, of my experiences, you know, within my household and kind of having that space to talk about it and express it. And, you know, uh, giving me that space to kind of communicate how I feel and, and sort of, you know, what's going on and, and where that kind of um, support may or may not be needed. And I think, you know, the more I think back on those experiences as a younger person and the sort of spaces that I'm holding, you know, professionally, uh, therapeutically now, I think my experiences with mental health, primarily for anxiety, um, you know, mostly 
and sort of being around people and, and sort of kept loved ones that were very sort of uh, like open and, and sort of uh, holding space you know for me in, in those in those moments um got me involved you know with mental health much later in my life and you know when I started studying and, and working uh, in the fields and, and learning more about what mental health was psychology social psychology you know it kind of connected the dots for me in many ways um you know about my own personal experiences but also how that kind of becomes a you know an experience for for many many of us um so I would say roots were in my own experiences but then you know as I started studying and working and understanding more about you know various different elements of mental health um that became the sort of building block for a lot of the work I'm doing, you know, professionally and a lot of the things that I speak on and, uh, you know, uh, commentate on, so to speak. So, yeah, that's why that's why I feel, you know, my journey with mental health started. Yeah, I can relate to the whole kind of thing of being an anxious child. I was definitely exactly the same. I think I don't think I was so good at masking it, to be honest. I think I was kind mm. of quite a like I was quite a kind of obviously anxious child quite mm. withdrawn at times would cry quite a lot and i didn't like mm. didn't like going to like parties and stuff like that at primary school like um mm. but then there were other times at primary school where i was where i was the total opposite and i was kind of mm. had friends and was all right and was it was it was a strange kind of up and down journey and then i think it was later kind of into my secondary school years when i properly kind of withdrew the mm. first couple of years and then mm-hmm. again, it, it's kind of been like fits and starts. Like sometimes I've gone through like a long patch where I kind of won't be socially kind of out there, won't be talking to, mm. talking to people, won't be putting myself out into those situations. And then other times I have been, I think it, it's depended on a lot of things, but sure. it's really interesting to kind of hear that it's those personal experiences that are kind of like the absolute kind of like root of it. And I think mm. it's, it's so similar for a lot of people who are in this space. It's kind of, I guess, people using their experiences to help to try and like help others or at least well spread awareness which does in turn help others and i think that's certainly with this podcast the kind of position that i'm coming into obviously as someone who has no involvement within Mm -hmm. mental health as a professional at all yeah and just i think there are a lot of people in a similar boat to me you have like podcasts or they have content where they're doing a similar thing so i think it's 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 a really interesting thing and it, it kind of helps me to put this stuff out there and and give a platform to people to talk about things yeah, so i think absolutely. yeah i think i think it's such a powerful thing but i guess one thing to ask next would be kind of like what what was it that made you want to actually make it into your profession and make it a kind of thing that you do as as a mm. job rather than just kind of being something that you experienced in your private life or something that you were even mm interested in in your private life what was it that kind of made you think this is a, this is there's a yeah. career in this for me and it's something that I want to pursue yeah um well I think you know I mean my experiences like I said as a young person you know I, I, I had developed an, an awareness of it was an empathic awareness of like I could feel you know, not exactly what other people were feeling, but I was able to kind of just naturally look at somebody or when I was engaging with someone from a young age, know, oh, this person might not be 100% or, you know, "Mm." I'd pick up on things that, you know, people my age necessarily, you know, wouldn't pick up on. And I think it had nothing to do with a, a gift or anything like that, but it was more so 
I, I had those experiences myself and I, I was able to sort of see them in other people. Um, and, you know, I'd kind of always, growing into sort of teens, I, I was that friend that would give advice um, and would, you know, listen and for the most part and, and you know, kind of, uh, you know, understand other people's perspectives and where they were coming from. Um, and I never saw it as something that would be a career for me. It was the furthest thing. It was just something I did. But, you know, I think when I went to study psychology, sociology first in college and then at university, it was, you know, I, I, I felt like I had found my my calling because I loved the the understanding of, of concepts and, and what they meant and and where these ideas could come from and what these potentially mean. But there was also that ability that I'd had from a young age, you know, sort of merging the two together and, you know, I suppose just finding that sort of creativity in the personal experience, being able to look at and, and read people quite well, but then being excited at the fact that, yeah, I'm a, a good right now, but, you know, I want to be better and I want to help people. And it was at those moments where everything kind of married together, whereas, like, my purpose, I think, is to be of service to others and to help others and to, you know be a person that can kind of marry the theoretical side with the personal like love and compassion I think sometimes is missing from a lot of these spaces and that's no shade to any sector or any particular professionals in the sector it's just something that I've observed within my work and I think at that point at a very young age I was like I think I know what I want to do and how I want to do it and that became the sort of I suppose in many ways the foundation but I suppose I've never really thought of it like that or, or, or ever sort of thought you know how you've asked the question but I would say that that's kind of again what feels quite you know truthful right now is is the sort of always being quite good with people but then really loving the studying aspect you know of, for my own sort of you know you know selfishness of like okay what does this mean how does this mean what can this mean but then kind of marrying the two so yeah great question <laughs> oh cheers no i guess kind of like with you saying like i had that it there wasn't like a clear like moment or anything where you were like this is my well that, that i guess from what you said there sort of was but it mm. it, it sounds like it wasn't like a conscious thing of like oh from like from a young age oh i'm gonna go into this i'm gonna go into mm. mental health which kind of makes it seem like it's a very vocational very kind of like natural thing for you to yeah. do so mm -hmm. i think that's always the best they're always the best and most sort of fulfilling careers or kind of like like work journeys or pathways that people go down is when they have that kind of natural thing and i think mental health is one of those things because i th i do think like when you're somebody who has had experiences like 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 me or like you you yeah. you do a lot of a lot of people will have that natural inclination to be like you know i know how kind of difficult it is therefore mm -hmm. i want to help other people on their journey so mm -hmm. i think 100% i could i could see myself like one day in the future kind of doing some more work within the mental health space like at some point because as i said i've got no experience in it whatsoever but it's mm -hmm. been for many years i've said now like maybe one day i'll kind of find a route find my own sort of pathway into it so it's yeah it's it's an amazing thing i guess Absolutely kind of right. yeah yeah i guess the next thing to kind of to take a little look at was i wanted to explore kind of the topic of masculinity with you obviously it's sure. a huge topic that you cover and this mm -hmm. being a, a specifically 
you know slightly slightly more of a men's mental health podcast there's a lot of yep. a lot of kind of advice and tips and stories and insights that anybody can benefit from but i sure. kind of take a kind of male perspective on things on here and obviously mm-hmm. you've got your podcast mendable now which has been out for a um how long has that been out for about a month or so just a, just about a month just, man yeah that's right yeah yeah so i think you've got f- three or four four episodes out haven't you at the time of recording so hopefully it'll be that's a right. couple more it's a really really good podcast not too Thank long mm. just kind of nice to kind of like little bite-sized kind of episodes which i really really like and um thank you man no problem and you've obviously been doing that you've also had your tedx talk the crisis mm-hmm. of masculinity a while mm-hmm. back as well mm-hmm. what what was it that's kind of is, is it personal experiences as well that's kind of driven you down that route because for mm-hmm. me i've had this conversation uh before kind of on on other on another podcast that i guested on and also on this one as well about i'm kind of unsure why i've decided to go down the men's mental health route because mm-hmm. i i don't feel like i've struggled loads with masculinity as a right. thing like personally there've definitely been things that i can look back on and go oh like i'm i'm so glad that now i'm sort of past that and i kind of i'm more comfortable with myself and don't feel like i necessarily have to be put in the box that society puts me in was it was it kind of personal experiences that led you down that path of talking about masculinity as well as mental health because obviously you've kind of spoken about it quite a lot over the past year mm. or so yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, I've, I suppose for masculinity, I've said this, you know, before in, in other spaces, like it wasn't the, the go-to for me, you know, initially I started my career coming out of uni and, and going into sort of, you know, research and, and sort of, uh, you know, theorising and studying, uh, you know, uh, sort of social psychology and, and my initial interest was and still is very much so, but, you know, my initial interest was anti-racism and, uh, you know, decolonization and, uh, you know, just sort of really sort of providing historical contexts um, as, a, as a sort of mental health intervention for communities, right? That's, that was like something that mm. was my initial sort of um, like foot in the door in this particular sort of area. And the two very much are linked to my eyes, you know, uh, when it comes to sort of masculinities and also you know a lot of sort of decolonization work as well it, it's all very much linked you know it's you know all intersectional but i suppose what happened was i was doing a lot of work in one of my roles which is as a sort of social action mental health professional here in bristol and i was doing a lot of history lessons and i was doing a lot of sort of uh you know community interventions for young people and and you know it was always the sort of intention of of employing me to sort of facilitate more male-centered mental health spaces uh for our community here in bristol particularly in a city bristol um and yeah they got to a point where you know the conversations were had with my team of like okay you ready to start doing the masculinity stuff uh and i was like sure and then i realized damn i don't really know where i would take this or how i would do it or where I'd go and it was this kind of like moment of I think I know where I'm going to go with it but I hadn't immersed myself in the theory side of things which you know as as a facilitator was quite important for me you know to feel comfortable in uh, and to feel comfortable in that space um, but then very quickly going into the theory stuff I realised that personally I was out of touch with a lot of what was going on and what was being said and it was that realisation of I can't really facilitate space authentically if I don't really know what's made 
my sense of masculinity mine or at least have some ideas and perspectives on the matter so the masculinity group started happening and we started delivering sessions and you know they were good but there was things that I was learning in those spaces like on the job and I was like wow I need to go away and think about this let's go think about that and then this excitement and sort of passion I suppose for for masculinity that you know for me at the time of researching and looking into it and, and exploring it theoretically there was bits and bobs of theory happening but there wasn't a lot of from my vantage point sort of theoretical perspectives that led to my lived experience you know a male of, of dual heritage inner city bristol uh you know you know again sort of this kind of distance from what what that felt like for me and 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 not being able to see that theoretically and not being able to see that you know in a research paper or not being able to see that inner space um and that was kind of the the, the foot in the door and then through that process uh, you know working with masculinities and seeing masculinities head on and experience in different perspectives and you know quite you know at times quite problematic framings of what it is to be a man and, and what it is to not be a man and just being immersed in those spaces uh, let me know that my work is very much you know important and valuable when it comes to anti-racism and decolonization it's something that I still do and still I'm actively researching and thinking about but my again going back to purpose I was uniquely situated in those in that in that role to be able to connect with young people and to talk about masculinity and to learn with them and to learn alongside them and we're on this kind of journey together and so that was the footing for for, for masculinity and it's been very much that same ethos since you know uh, people uh, you know are very kind and say to me you know you're you you kind of have a, a voice of expertise in this particular area of masculinity or we look to you for advice and guidance on these particular parts but for me i'm still that fresh green like perspective that is still learning still taking things in still reflecting still able to sort of mend ideas and perspectives that i have and i think that's what is the most exciting and the most kind of enjoyable aspect of it i don't feel like an expert i feel like i'm learning alongside the people that i facilitate spaces for and i think that's why the connection and the warmth within those spaces is so powerful so yeah that's kind of how i got into it and you know as you said it kind of brought goes into the the, the telex stuff and into the to the mendable which i'm sure we'll, we'll talk a little bit about maybe as well but yeah that was the foot in the door for sure yeah it's an interesting journey and i think i think you're right in terms of the fact that from what i gather from people that i've sp spoken to kind of like as much as far as anyone is considered like an expert on on a specific topic like yourself kind of there is always that room for learning more and getting more ideas, new ideas from people. There's yeah. new research, like it's an ever evolving kind of thing. And I think that's one of the kind of most fascinating things about anything within involved within kind of, you know, whether it be mental health, whether it be more down the masculinity route, there are mm. all of these kind of new, interesting ideas that you can learn from people, advice you can take from people new research new new stuff with scientific backing comes up and it's kind of like really it's, it's just really interesting to kind of keep your eye on the ball with it and kind of find out these new things about it all the time and i think 100%. yeah i think if, if you do want to talk a little bit about the the tedx talk as well sure. i guess whilst we're mm -hmm. kind of on the topic kind of how did that come about and how how what was the kind of process behind you preparing for for doing that talk and kind of how mm -hmm. did it feel actually on the day because obviously it's kind of it's quite quite a big thing, I guess. 
Yeah, it's huge, man. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I was I was invited down to TEDx Brighton by one of my mentors, Mr. G, who was kind of facilitating a section or portion of the day. Um, and, you know, he kind of messaged me, like, so I did the TEDx in April 2022. So he messaged me, like, or we, we spoke in, like, December 2021. He was like, look, he said, this isn't confirmed. This isn't definite. He said, but, you know, there's a potential... Uh, opportunity for you to do a speaking gig uh you know up in brighton um you know uh, you know possibly a tedx format would you be interested and i was like like for context like a tedx was like top two things in my career that i wanted to do like you oh, know it's, it was very very much one of those things that once everything's said and done, I think I would have liked to have done one, you know? So that was like, well, of course, whatever you need, like sort of whatever you want me to do, however you want me to kind of, you know, frame it, whatever. And he was like, no, nah. he said, you know, if it happens, I'd definitely love to have you on board. He said, but you kind of take control of where you want to, what you want to speak on, how you want to speak about it. And you, you kind of, there's no, if, you, if you've watched the TEDx, you know, there's no kind of fancy slides. There's no like, you know, introduction to who I am. And that was very much G's conditions. It was like, we want you to just go out there and speak, you know, we want you to go out there and, and communicate your truth. Because, you know, I'd kind of been doing similar bits and bobs around race and racism in Bristol, speaking at protests uh, in a very similar manner to what you see uh, on the TEDx um, and that kind of delivery and that cadence and that, that sort of, you know, I suppose uh, speaking, you know, to put it simply was, was something that G was interested in and was like, yeah, do that, you know, but find that what, what you want to speak about and make it truthful to you, which is where the masculinity stuff came in uh, for me at the time. I think it wasn't it was a, it was between race and it was between masculinity but you know I felt like the masculinity route was the one that felt again most truthful which is something I always go back to what feels most truthful to me right now uh, and what do I want to really dedicate time and energy to and at the time you know there was lots of you know TEDx's and things or masculinity but I didn't see anything that was framing masculinity how I wanted masculinity to at least be kind of represented in the conversation it doesn't have to be the perspective but I wanted my ideas in that space firmly you know like this is what I think and this is how you know I think we can approach it and we can work with it so the process you know I had about three months to to write and rehearse um uh, Interestingly, I don't know if I've said this on any other podcast before, but you know, I, I initially wrote the TEDx piece as a prayer. It was man's prayer, uh, which is a play on sort of colloquial slang here, like in Bristol, but also in other parts of the UK. Like you know, sort of, um, it was it was a prayer to to a divinity. It wasn't say what it was, mm. but I, I initially kind of framed it as a prayer where I was praying and speaking, you know, to, to the audience who would take the space of a divinity and I was, you know, going to sort of create something, um, you know, uh, like uh, with that in mind. So, like, that was the initial plan. Uh, but then I felt like it was very easy to take things and maybe misinterpret or get lost in the sort of the presentation and, and maybe, you know, it was getting not that there's anything wrong with it, but it felt at times like I was trying to be too artsy. And I think for something like masculinity in, in my perspective at the time, I didn't want to leave my perspective open to interpretation. I wanted to lay it out on the line and I wanted people to know 
this is what I think uh, and this is how I'm personally working for it and what I'm personally seeing and so redone it rejigged it and you know everything that you see or listen to in that that piece you know I meet with death a few times per week and death asks me why there's so many men like that's real life you know I'm dealing with young people sometimes at a week-to-week basis that are you know uh, in that that process of of you know questioning do I really want to be here anymore like not just in Bristol but do I want to be here on this planet like that's not you know me sort of doing something to sound like, you know, um, artsy, that's the reality of the situation. Uh, you know, when I when I speak of, you know, the different types of masculinities that I, I go through towards the, the end, like, you know, framing the different perspectives of masculinity and holding them as all masculinities and all, uh, you know, presentations that deserve love and acceptance. I mean that because these are conversations that I've had with numerous young people from numerous different perspectives. Um, and so, you know, that piece and crafting it was really, you know, a, a sort of an acknowledgement to what I see of my work, but also an <clears throat> acknowledgement and projection of my young people's experiences in a space that often they don't get to kind of get themselves, you know, heard and, and, and sort of, you know, sort of ha- having their experiences on the line. So, yeah, daunting, very, very sort of, I had a lot of pressure going into it because, Again, not no one knew that I was actually basing it off of a lot of, you know, sort of experiences in my work. And I felt like, you know, gosh, if any young person would see this, would I do them justice and would they be proud by it? And would they would they feel like, you know, I, I, I did them, not them personally justice, but like our work as a collective, as a, as a sort of space, have I done that justice? So I walked in with a lot of pressure and I walked in with a lot of kind of like, you know, <laughs> I want to do this right and I want to do it properly. Um, but the actual process itself was was amazing. It's definitely one of the best things I've ever done in my life from an experience perspective. I can't remember what I said and how I said it. You know, I, I didn't watch my TEDx back for about a month and a half once it was released. You know, I, I definitely went into a, a very deep flow state there. Uh, but, you know, the actual process of it and, and performing it, yeah, loved it. And I, I really kind of would like to thank TEDx Bright and Mr. G for, for the opportunity, but... You know, I think there's more work to be done in in that space, but the actual process, I, I absolutely loved it and was definitely more nervous about the YouTube video going live than I was about performing it in front of, you know, the couple thousand people pretty much that were in the, the uh, sort of uh, arena, well, arena space, but the, the, the Brighton Dome, I was much more nervous about the video going live than I was about, you know, actually, quote unquote, performing it. But yeah, that's the kind of process for sure. Yeah, it does sound like a very daunting process, but 100% a very, like, rewarding one. And it sounds like you've definitely kind of take, grasped that with both hands and taken the opportunity. And like you said, it was very powerful. It was very kind of, like, succinct to the point, not beating around the bush, as you said, no presentation, mm. as in, like, no no kind of, like, slides or anything behind you and no kind of yeah. introduction as such. So if anybody hasn't had the chance to listen to it yet, I'll, of course, I'll definitely be leaving that in the description, the link to the YouTube uh, the mm. YouTube recording of, of the TEDx Thank talk, because it's, yeah, as I said, very powerful. Um, mm. It's something that I would definitely like to do myself one day. That would be incredible. So who mm. knows? Maybe, maybe a couple of years down the line or whenever, uh, maybe I'll get the opportunity to kind of put myself forward. But, of course, man. Yeah, I guess... You said, obviously, that there had been other kind of TEDx talks and TEDx content on Mm -hmm. masculinity before, but you didn't necessarily resonate 
100% with the perspectives that were put across during those talks. What mm-hmm. What is it, what's your specific kind of idea or perspective on what needs to change when it comes to masculinity? Mm-hmm. Obviously, many of us in this sort of space or the kind of people that I've interviewed before or spoken to before have obviously the kind of general idea that the mm. ter- the society's kind of definition or the way that society imposes masculinity on mm. men is yeah. dated and is challenging yeah. and needs to be kind of moved forward but what mm-hmm. what are your kind of specific views on what needs to happen and what kind of mm-hmm. what will help push that forward and what the end result will be i guess yeah, for sure. I mean, I think I think what I meant with terms of the TEDx, they're all of them fantastic. Like literally, like every TEDx that I watched in preparation, obviously to talk on masculinity, there was things that I took away from it and and really kind of valued. I was just for me, I hadn't seen like as I said the way in which I worked and framed masculinity, and that's not to say that it probably is on the internet somewhere. I just haven't looked, you know, hard enough maybe. But you know, I think for me when it comes to masculinity and something that is a key component of my work with young people but also just masculinities in general is you know moving towards more of an individual construction and projection of truth like for me masculinity is a projection or, or it, it can be and my eyes should be a projection of, of of truth and this kind of process of exploration experimentation uh, reflection, introspection, and this constant sense of like, you know, just acknowledging that this this idea of, of masculine or our idea of masculine, my idea, your idea right now is a construction that, you know, we are, we have created and, you know, have taken influence and interest and, uh, you know, uh, I suppose, um, inspiration from various different parts of our culture and different parts of the people that make up our cultures and the people we've interacted with like we're very much a paintbrush and a canvas when it comes to masculinity but I think a lot of the time men view themselves as something that already exists and that you know they're just a pre-assembled piece of lego that they have to put you know together and just that's it you know we look like this everyone kind of has to be this way or has to hold these very similar belief systems together and i think my to put my approach into it i think you know masculinity is an expression and projection of truth where men are both the paintbrush the colors and the canvas where they have this full ability to take their masculinity create and craft something but also have the autonomy to say actually that served me for a while but I think I'm going to take that away and draw something else. I I may want to bring something else onto here. I may want to take something away and create something entirely new. And it's having that freedom of of breaking away from taken for granted assumptions that, you know, men should behave in this way and men should act and and be this particular societal role. Men should dress and present this way. You know, I think that masculinity is, is is a creation and it's a construction and I think we've lost our artistry with it. And that doesn't mean that we have to go out, you know, to the the extremes. Uh, you know, everyone has to be this super creative, overthinking the masculine truth. But having the permission and the, you know, unconditional acceptance and love for ourselves to say, I'm going to try something today. I'm going to try this. I'm going to do this instead. Or, you know, I'm going to, gonna, you know, 
look at this perspective and maybe think about it and reflect on it and if it doesn't serve me okay cool but engage with it and see what what resonates and what stirs up i think right now culturally we're in a position where everything in our culture is moving away from black and white and more into this what i call kaleidoscope of difference where so many different things and hues and you know combinations can happen and, and, and are happening and it's scary to a lot of people to have a cultural framework that has very much existed on this is this this is that we are this we are that there's a lot of chaos in terms of and i mean that in the most beautiful way when it comes to sort of crafting and, and, and present an identity the identity markers that we have as a culture are under you know critical compassion and and and, and scrutiny from a position of love and for a lot of people to, to sort of stay within that space is, is is safe for them and something that they perceive and feel is truth but for many and i see these different articulations this a and b black and white is harmful and it's hurting a lot of our men it's hurting a lot of our masculinities so my perspective is about modeling unconditional acceptance and encouragement for experimenting with truth and you know being able to you know challenge these taken for granted assumptions in whatever way feels right to you and and you know going through a process of communicating and metabolizing harmful ideas and presentations but again giving men the opportunity to actually play with their sort of their self and, and their sort of self uh, presentation shall i say uh, and and be that sort of creator and and that embodiment of their creation that's my perspective which often gets a lot of kickback and a lot of you know uh, sort of uh, perspectives that you know are firmly against that but i believe we're at a position culturally where it's either we start opening up our perspectives and our minds to other presentations that are different to ours and, and, and don't adhere to what we believe to be right and wrong and instead acknowledge others in their truth and their their loving expression of who they are and how they want to present. So that's my perspective um, and something that I feel more and more strongly on the more young people and you know masculinities I work with and see how the system that exists around us can make them feel they have to be certain ways and create this strain between who they want to be and who they feel they have to be so that's my idea I definitely resonate with a lot of what you said to be honest it's kind of mm. very well aligned with my kind of idea I suppose in terms of that idea of kind of the traditional tropes of masculinity aren't necessarily all terrible it's yep. just that there are other options to explore. There are other elements of identity to explore. There are other, mm -hmm. you know, ways to ways to look, other ways to present yourself, other ways to present your emotions, and like, it's it's just that that one kind of very narrow idea that is entrenched mm -hmm. in society. That's not the be all and end all. That's not it. There is a whole huge range and strands of masculinity that kind of mm -hmm. a lot of men never have the courage to explore or mm -hmm. they don't even know that they exist because they live in this kind of shell of thinking that the way that they are is who they are that's it and that's and yeah. and it's not actually the full expression of themselves and i love what you said about the the whole paintbrush and the colors and the mm -hmm. canvas that kind of thing mm -hmm. it's like it's such a it's such a kind of like it's, it's such a great way to kind of put it across because I think I've heard it put heard the whole idea kind of put across in a few ways but that's one of my favorite ways so I definitely remember 
that and hopefully hold on to that for one of the one of the clips for this episode that I'll put out because mm-hmm. that's a really nice analogy. But um, thank you. Yeah, I'm 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 very much in alignment with what you said in terms of in terms of your view of masculinity and everything like that. So mm. I think what what I wanted to move on to and just before we get to the final two questions of the episode. Yeah. I guess it's just to talk a little bit about how you got into the whole coaching side of things. And then also, um, obviously, your lecturing as well. You became like one of the youngest lecturers in the UK, I think I'm, yep. I'm right in saying, because you've, yeah. you've got a module um, at the University of the West of England. So I wanted to touch yep. on that a little bit, kind of the work mm-hmm. that you've done helping students with their help with, mm-hmm. with well-being and personal development and things like that. But Firstly, how, where did the whole coaching element come from? And then I guess if you fancy talking a little bit about Flourish as well, uh, your module yeah. after that, then uh, feel free. Yeah, of course, man. Um, so, yeah, going back to the first point I said about, you know, finding the mesh between, you know, helping people and also loving my subjects and, and subjects that I was studying. So at my university where I studied, as you say, the University of the West of England, there was an opportunity uh, in my second year to do something called peer assisted learning which is a model basically of coaching where second year students coach first year students through like certain parts of their university experience um, and one of my mentors and one of my you know now business partners but also a great sort of ear and guiding mechanism in this career that I'm fortunate enough to have at the moment and you know hopefully we'll have for 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 a long time is is Bill Hill he is a coach and he very much coached me through my university experience without me necessarily recognizing it at the time. But the more I sort of engaged with things like PAL, uh, peer assisted learning and, you know, coaching others, I started to realize, oh wait, maybe Bill was actually doing something very similar with me and maybe he's helping me along my way of this process. And maybe, you know, that's something that you know I can do for others and, you know, try and embed in, in my practice. So I was a coach so to speak, before I was a mental health professional, before I was a social psychologist, I, my foundation working with people is from a coaching sort of format. Um, and, you know, I, I got into it because it was an opportunity that was available. And then I quickly realized that I loved, you know, helping others, as I said, you know, at the start, helping others and helping them help themselves. So what I love about coaching is it's not necessarily, you don't give people perspective, you give people questions. And with those questions, you give people reflective space to find the solutions for themselves. So it's a very, you're, you're facilitating a self-directed learning and reflective space, which I feel is, is a really beautiful kind of uh, engagement with self. And it's a component of every single bit of work that I do, whether it's masculinities, anti-racism, like there's an element of coaching somewhere in the work that I do through the reflective spaces that, you know, coaching, I find, you know, can really facilitate well. So, yeah, I got into it through that. And then whilst I was also studying, my mentor and now business partner, Bill Hill, was creating something called Initially Becoming a Successful Student, which was part coaching model, part sort of classroom workshop setting where, you know, you're giving students the opportunity to engage with coaching stuff, but also... Uh, what we call positive psychology literature that focuses on strengths and assets as a pathway towards personal development and I was I was I was it I was in then I was like wait this exists like we can do strength-based asset-based work but also coach but then also provide that space for people to reflect and think about 
what brings them into the space and what they want to do how can I help essentially and you know uh, I was working on some of my own projects at the time like very small while I was at uni because I was still studying but we kind of combined them together and what eventually happened through that process of combining you know what I love about Bill even to this day was that I was a year two student you know a second year university student and he was letting me co-facilitate sessions with him for year one students and you know foundation year students at university to kind of test some of my ideas and test what I thought needed to be involved and going back and reflecting and you know the reason I ended up being one of the youngest lecturers in the UK at the time that I was employed was because I'd had practice runs with Bill whilst I was a student he basically trained me in in many sort of delivery you know sort of uh, sort of uh, methods and the experience was there to a degree that I could you know transition relatively easily you know obviously it's a challenge moving into those spaces but it didn't feel like such a step moving out of university um and so with the flourish module it's it's a three-part uh, module that focuses on personal development uh, positive psychology and, and coaching methods and really what we're doing with the module is taking a sort of self-focused uh, mental health approach to students and well-being. So it's a prevention uh, as opposed to a cure. So we're giving students that come into our health and applied science spaces the opportunity to understand elements of themselves like, you know, their, their, their grit, for example, their resilience, their mindset and pairing that with you know sort of empirically backed research and uh, methodologies and, and sort of tools that give them scores that they can track throughout the process of their university career and give them insights into themselves that they wouldn't necessarily gain access to if they were just studying you know at, at university this type of model is very popular in the states but it doesn't hasn't really found its way in the uk yet and you know, proud to say we're one of the first uh, in the UK that delivers in this capacity in the way that we do, that really centres students' experience as the core subject of our module. It's positive psychology, it's personal development, but really when students come into our lecture halls and they come into their workshop spaces, they're the object of study. They're the thing that they go and really kind of explore and delve deep into. And the results and the sort of, you know, impact long term into sort of performance and engagement and, you know, incremental improvements across one's university career have been really beautiful to, to see and, and facilitate. Um, and like I said, you know, we've we've been doing this now for two, three years uh, and, you know, we're, we're very much embedded in the sort of university, uh, you know, space where we are. And again, thank you to both sociology and psychology departments for giving us that space to really develop something innovative, but also deeply needed when it comes to student mental health and student well-being um, and giving them a space to really explore and learn about themselves. Yeah, well, fingers crossed some more modules like this kind of crop up more and more in the UK because it's such an important thing and I think the way that you've just described it there sounds like something that I think so many people would benefit from in terms of that kind of self-led experience and yeah yeah it, it's obviously popular in the United States for a reason so the more mm -hmm. more and more things like that kind of start happening over here in the UK it's such kind of like an increasingly important thing I think so yeah, yeah hopefully more more and more things like that will start to happen because I think mm -hmm. it's anything to increase awareness and anything to increase 
these prevention kind of mechanisms that people can put in place in their own lives i think is really really important we'll move on to the final couple of questions of the episode so the first one is would you just be able to recommend one resource that helps you with your own mental health whether it be a podcast a book a a tv series it doesn't even have to be mental health related at Mm -hmm. all so just anything that kind of helps you there's a book by um Resmar Menachem um, it's called My Grandmother's Hands um, and that's the first book that flashed into my mind uh, when you asked that and I read this when did I read this it would have been 2021 so I just started transitioning from more kind of uh, I started basically transitioning into my masculinity work more more sort of not full time but it was much more focused on the matter and was happening in the backdrop of um, the BLM resurgence, which was personally impactful to me and had a huge impact on well-being for me personally. And this book, regardless of you know your sort of cultural um, backgrounds or your sort of where you see and view yourself, it's a beautiful read into how trauma and uh, you know our experiences can store themselves in our bodies and and ways of actually trying to like get some of that trauma out of our bodies and sort of you know metabolizing you'll hear me talk about metabolizing beliefs for example i know i said that earlier on that's very much a resma menachem informed sort of belief uh, and, and theory and that's where i first contacted it so my grandmother's hands by resma menachem is something i would recommend to anybody um it's a beautiful book and yeah he is just for me one of the best out there and often uh you know not not credited enough for for his ideas and his magnificence so that's my resource definitely worth a look i've not come across it myself it's it rings a bell the name of it rings a bell i think i've heard it mentioned before but it's something that i'm definitely gonna have to check out now so a link yeah a link to go and check that out for anybody listening will be down in the description as well so the final question is, what is just one tip that you would give to modern men? Uh, going back to the same point, uh, well, similar point to what I made earlier on, I think my point to depart on would be, you know, you are your canvas, your paintbrush, and you've got a whole host of, of colours to experiment and, you know, combine and recombine when it comes to your masculine presentation so to speak um i think for me personally where my masculinity is concerned viewing myself as a constant work in progress and a constant sort of you know uh, uh, construction and creation has enabled me to view my successes uh, and my shortcomings and my mistakes which we all make as men as and we continue to make you know as men where our masculinity is concerned i don't view them as as personally reflective of me because i know that i'm constantly under creation and, and under construction and I have the autonomy to shape and redefine and recalibrate uh, who I am so that would be my departing piece of advice like you know we're all as masculinities you know uh, able to create recreate redefine who we are and having that that experimentation and, and having that that, that courage to try new things it doesn't have to be anything uh, like out of the ordinary it can be something as giving yourself time to have time with yourself like some self-care it can be watching and enjoying an emotional movie it can be you know taking time to actually kind of take time to have a have a massage like you know just take some time for you and engage in things that 
you wouldn't necessarily do because you're worried about how it may come across uh, like things like that you know we can do all of this stuff because we're in control of, of our presentation we're in control of our masculinities and a major part of dismantling some of these outdated structural beliefs is about recognizing that yes we get influence from these structural beliefs but we are not the structure we are something much more powerful much more intelligent much more sort of individually intuitive and uh, aware than we give ourselves credit for and we know what feels right and what doesn't and we know what makes us feel particular ways and you know we know when we're playing a game and playing a sort of role and it's about going into that intuition and when you go into that intuition you connect with your inner paintbrush and your canvas and you're in that that control where it comes to you know painting the the masculinity that you want to be but most importantly the masculinity that feels most truthful so that's what i'll depart on yeah that's an incredible piece of advice it's just the whole thing isn't it of men needing to be kind of given that little push to just Mm -hmm. discover themselves and discover things that they don't know about themselves and kind of don't just like like you say a lot in your work don't just assume that everything that you've kind of been imposed by society is correct and just yep. go along with it and kind of to to be somebody who questions things to be somebody who questions yourself and kind of checks up on yourself and kind of thinks ah is this the right thing for me to be doing maybe there's something else out there that's better and just progressing as a person at your own pace and as a man at your own pace and just mm. not not turning things down because it's not in inverted commas, a masculine thing to do, and mm-hmm. that's that's what we've we've all done that to an extent because that's how 100%. society is built. Yeah, that's how the West society in the Western world is built. But mm-hmm. you know, it's uh, one of the kind of goals of this podcast is to keep expanding that idea and that conversation, and to kind of be just an extra voice in the crowd of kind of like men don't have to just accept things. We can take on next steps we can express ourselves in different ways that we want to express ourselves in and Mm -hmm. yeah so i think that piece of advice is is absolutely incredible just before no problem just before we go um it's where can people find you and obviously you've got your website and socials and Mm -hmm. everything do you just want to and and also do you want to shout anything out that you're doing i think it should be around kind of like march february march Mm -hmm. time that this comes out so so anything that you want to kind of shout towards and where can everybody find your work yeah so if you want to connect to some of my work and kind of you know experience some of what i what i'm talking about uh my social channels are all my name that's just lewis wedlock uh on twitter instagram uh, LinkedIn, of course, and now even TikTok. We're on TikTok, where you know it was a, <laughs> TikTok is has got me on there a little bit as well now. Um, and of course, like you said, my website www.lewiswedlock.com, and my podcast. Uh, if you resonated with anything that I've spoken about today, and kind of is is, and it doesn't even have to resonate with you, right? I had a beautiful interaction with someone the other day that said, you know, I listened to your podcast and it triggered me in a sense because it felt like everything I didn't believe and it made me feel a particular kind of way but then my wife said to me no like listen to this perspective and like really take it in and really sit with it and this this person said you know it triggered me at first but then when I went back a second time there was I understood where you were coming from and it made so much sense so it doesn't even have to resonate with you but I would really appreciate it if you took some time with some of my work and some of my perspectives I'm not asking for you know, total uh, agreement. I think dialogue is such an important 
part of this journey we're all on in this space. So if you like where I'm coming from, or if you want to find out more of my perspectives to make up your opinion, then Demendable Podcast is on Spotify. I would love to see you there. And yeah, I hope you find it useful in some capacity. If you do, check it out. Yeah, I've really uh, enjoyed listening to the podcast so far. We'll definitely include the link to that and the link to the socials as well that you've mentioned everything down below in the description for everyone. So I guess all that's kind of left to say is thanks, Lewis, for coming on today's episode of Modern Men. It's been a pleasure. I know we've been kind of in contact for a little while now trying to sort something out and uh, it was really good to talk to you. So cheers for coming on. It's a pleasure, brother. Thank you for having me. Uh, Yeah, we'll do it again sometime. Thanks so much. 